Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire and welcome to Master Leadership. Great leaders ask great questions and this podcast takes you on a journey to master leadership with questions that matter to leaders who matter with your host, Lily Sinabria. Hi, this is Lily, and today we have the great pleasure of having Amy Modulin with us. When you meet Amy, you realize almost instantly that she is unique. She's a leader who has gathered years of experience, including failures and successes, and used them not only to better herself, but to add value to others around her. Her passion for impacting people's lives shines through in everything she does. Amy has a true heart for people and is devoted to helping other people unleash their inner amazing. Amy believes the most important characteristics of a good leader are authenticity, resilience, and influence. Amy began her career in emergency medical services. She went on to serve as a hospital corpsman in the U.S. Navy. After leaving the Navy, she continued her career in healthcare until she started her own business. Amy has led thousands of people, including virtual teams. She has trained several thousand leaders at different parts of their career journey. Amy is an executive director with the John Maxwell team, where she also serves on the President's Advisory Council. She is a certified coach, speaker, and trainer with the team as well. She is an alumna of Regent University, where she earned her bachelor's in organizational leadership and management and her master's in organizational leadership and coaching. She recently became a part of the Forbes Coaching Council. So welcome, Amy Modlin. How are you? I'm great, Lily. How are you? I am doing well. We are so happy to have you on our podcast. And as you know, this podcast takes us on a journey to master leadership. And we want to do that today by asking you key questions. So are you ready to pour into our listeners? I am ready, Lily. Okay. Can you tell us a bit about your leadership journey and where you are now? Sure. Absolutely, Lily. I was one of those leaders that as a young professional, I was thrust into a leadership position because longevity, mm-hmm. you know, not because of skill. So, you know, I had no training and no background of anything to do with leadership. And in the early years, I learned a lot of lessons the hard way. I learned a lot from my mistakes. And I realized that if I wanted to become a leader, I really had to work hard at it and I had a lot to learn. So that was a long time ago. But over the past many years, I've just been so hungry to learn and to challenge myself and to continue to grow as a leader. That's where I am today. Mm-hmm. So what are you doing now? I started my own company last year, Modulin Leadership Solutions. So I do coaching. I do transformational leadership training. I do speaking. I do workshops. I do anything that I can do that helps people unleash their inner amazing. I love that. Unleash the inner amazing. 
every one of us has an amazing in us. And sometimes we just need somebody to help identify that and help pull that out of us and help encourage us to be that amazing. So that's what I do. That's what I do in a nutshell. In addition to my own company, I am a member of the John Maxwell team. And that has been a tremendous journey for me as far as my personal growth as a leader and as a person, as a wife, as a friend. And I also recently got chosen to join the Forbes Coaches Council. So that's another area where I'm learning from some great leaders. I just got my first article published in Forbes a couple of weeks ago. So that's congratulations. That's awesome. Thank you. So you and I first met at the 2016 John Maxwell conference. We sat at the same table and you and I connected deeply. And I was so moved by who you are and what you do and the incredible energy you have. I think you call yourself Doc Perky. (laughs) (laughs) So that's my maiden name is Perkins. Uh And I was a corpsman in the Navy. So as a corpsman, they call you Doc. And that's a compliment. That means they trust you. And then my nickname was Perky. So yeah, for a long time, (laughs) my nickname was Doc Perky. I haven't heard that in a long time. (laughs) And that suits you. I mean, you have so much energy. It's not just being Perky. The energy that comes through your heart is amazing. So I was very impressed by you. Having met you the first time, I feel like I know you forever. I feel the same way. Yes. Okay, so getting back to leadership, how would you describe your leadership style? So that's a great question, Lily. And I could give you a scholarly answer, you know, using one of the more traditional descriptions of leadership, but That's not my style, so I'm just going to tell you who I am as a leader, if that's okay. Please. If I had to describe myself as a leader, I am a humble leader, and I am an authentic leader. What you see is what you get. Mm -hmm. I am a leader with integrity. I am a leader who models the way to be a good leader. I try to provide a good example for others around me to follow. I care about my people. I care about people. Mm -hmm. I put people first. I very much believe in investing in people, listening to people, and I'm a firm believer in team. Right now, being the owner of my business, I don't have a team at the time, but in my last corporate job, I had a phenomenal team, and my team is what made me great and made me stronger as a leader. So I love the concept of a team and understand that as a leader, I don't have all the answers. I don't have all the skills. And that's where I rely on my team. All right. So Amy, you talked about being a humble leader, being authentic, having integrity, modeling the way you talked about caring for people and putting people first, investing in people. And, you know, when I think about all those wonderful characteristics, that's a type of leader I'd love to follow. That's the type of leader that I'm inspired by. So what type of leader are you inspired by and why? So the type of leader that inspires me the most is somebody who's real. You know, sometimes as leaders, we get bogged down by titles. And sometimes we get a little too big for our britches. And we forget where we came from. So the leaders that inspire me the most are the people that don't forget that 
they're people too and that the people around them are leaders. So I have a mentor. Her name is Bernie. And she was my manager several years ago and she left me and then I left her and she left me and, you know, but we've still stayed in touch over the years. And what I loved about her the most and what inspired me about her the most is she didn't try to be perfect. You know, she acknowledged that she was stressed. She was overwhelmed. She had a big workload. So I realized that because she was real, she was just a real person that I could be real. And I didn't have to act in a different way than who I really was. And it made it easier for me. I had gone through some health struggles when I worked with her. And I was able to pretty much just come right out and tell her what was going on. And she supported me. I mean, and she's inspiring in another way because she's successful. She's got a large family, she's got children, and she's always striving for making herself better. And she was also a leader who did what was right. And the impact that she made was always for the good. And sometimes that required her rocking the boat or ruffling some people's feathers. But it was always for the right reason. And I admire that because a lot of times as a leader, you have to be the one that's not afraid to stand up and say, this isn't right. We have to try something else. So she's one of the many people. But a quick answer is somebody who's real, somebody who's themselves. As you're speaking, I'm thinking about the words that resonate in my heart about someone who has vulnerability and has integrity. And along with that, a courage. And so when I think of that, Amy, you are that person. You're vulnerable, you have integrity, and you have an amazing courage. And she's someone who you are inspired by. But I can see the influence that she had on you. It's really clear. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So, Thank you. Yeah. So, Amy, which quote or quotes about leadership speak to you and why? I have a few good ones, Lily. So last March, when I was at the John Maxwell certification course in Orlando, my mentor, Mark Cole, who's the CEO of all of John Maxwell's companies, asked us a question, which has now become a quote, which has really been something that has completely inspired me, rocked my world and changed the way that I live. And what he asked us is, when was the last time your life made anyone else hungry? Love it. And that quote, Lily, it rocked me to the core. And I know it's not really a quote per se, it's a question, but a lot of quotes are questions. And I thought, you know, I don't really know. I don't have an answer. And I told you it's rocked me to the core. It's totally changed my life. And it's made me live my life in a way that I hope makes other people hungry. So that's one. And then same person, Mark Cole, you know, big fan of him. He's definitely helped me transform my life. But we were talking a few weeks ago about doing a workshop on becoming more resilient as leaders. And we were talking about leadership and resilience. And he said, real leaders have scars on their leadership mantles. Mm. I love that as well, because what he's saying is the best leaders and the most resilient leaders are the leaders who have struggled, who have failed, 
and who have gone through so many challenges and so many life altering moments that it has made them a stronger leader and that it's okay. Like that gave me the affirmation that it's okay because I have a lot of scars on my leadership mantle. So those are the top two recent quotes that have just really profoundly impacted my life. They're wonderful quotes and certainly a wonderful question to reflect on. And I appreciate that. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. Now, along the same lines, what's the best advice you've ever received? So again, Mark Cole, (laughs) he's just such a presence in my life right now. And every question that you're asking me, it just points me to him. Mm -hmm. A few weeks ago, and I'll share a little bit of the story. I am going through some things medically right now, and I've lost my hearing, and I'm going through chemotherapy to try to restore any hearing that I have. And it was a week that I was getting ready to go out in public for the first time after I had shaved my head. And I was really nervous. I was trying to talk myself out of going and I had clients that I was meeting with and was really afraid. And I was thinking of every excuse in the book that I could to cancel that and to make an excuse to get out of it. And so I talked to him about it and I asked him how he performs well when he's not really feeling very well. And the advice that he gave me was this. He said, Amy, live it out where you're at, Hmm. where you are in your life right now. Just live it out. Be authentic and be you. I'm always a very energetic, positive, happy person. And I wasn't feeling that way, Lily. I was feeling very vulnerable from emotional and a physical standpoint. And he said, Amy, by living it out and being in the moment that you're at in your life, you're going to make yourself accessible to people that you may not ordinarily make yourself accessible to. And it makes a ton of sense because I'm a happy-go-lucky, I love life, and I'm energetic, and sometimes that maybe scares people off. So it was incredible, Lily. I went out, I gave a keynote speech, I met with some people, and it was just the advice that I needed. And I share that as the best advice I've gotten because regardless of the context of what's going on in somebody's life, That advice, those words, live it out where you're at and be yourself. The world is so hungry for authentic people. We want to see people real. We don't want somebody who puts on a mask in the morning and is somebody else. And I think that piece of advice, you could put that in anybody's life, in any situation that they're struggling with. And those words could help them get encouraged to overcome a fear or an uncertainty. Amy, I'm getting emotional because your heart inspires the heck out of me. The fact that you asked him because you care so much for the people that you influence really moves my heart. And I want to honor you because that's who you are. No matter what you're going through, you're always thinking about the influence and the effect you have on other people. Thank you, Lily. It really means a lot to me. And I know that I'm called to this and I know that God chose me on a journey of struggle so that I could show triumph. 
for people and I could inspire people. And that's what I told Mark that day. I said, Mark, I love what I do. This is what I live for. And I had to get over myself so that I could have that impact. So thank you for that, Lily. That means a lot to you. You are living your purpose. And that's a great space to be in. So Amy, what does it mean to you to have a good team? And how do you build or sustain one? A good team works together. There's that quote, there's no I in team. The old thought process was, I work on my weaknesses so that I can be better at my weaknesses. But with a team, you complement each other. So if I'm strong in speaking to people and you're strong at written communication, then if there's an opportunity for written communication, I'm going to lean on you as my teammate and vice versa. If there's an opportunity for verbal communication, you would rely on me. A good team, and I want to talk about my last team and my last corporate job. We worked together. We worked hard. We played hard. We celebrated our successes. We were like a family. I mean, we spent a lot more time at work than we do at home Mm -hmm. quite often. And we just continue to encourage each other and pitch in when other people are needed. For example, if somebody's out sick, You know, in some organizations, the world stops because you have one person that knows how to make the coffee. Mm -hmm. And now today you don't have any coffee. Mm -hmm. Well, a good team, there's always somebody to back you up so that if you have a family emergency or if you're sick or if you just want to simply take a vacation with your family. So being able to cross train each other and not feel like you are overburdened by taking somebody else's work off of their plate. And to keep a good team. So I'm a firm believer in recognizing when people do a good job. I do not subscribe to the, you get a trophy for showing up to work. Mm -hmm. When people do a good job and you encourage them and you acknowledge them, it encourages everybody else to be that person that gets recognized. So acknowledging people, celebrating. So that's one thing. But I think the most important thing of maintaining a good team is being a good listener and staying in tune with what's going on with the team. As a leader, it's so easy to close the door in your office and think, well, the numbers look good. Everybody's happy. Things are going well. But it's important to be a listener, both with your ears as to what people are saying, but also with your eyes and to be, you know, watching what people are doing and picking up on those cues where morale might be slipping or somebody might be discouraged or somebody might need to be challenged a little bit more. So. Okay. Well, thank you so much for that. Now, you spoke about having scars in your leadership journey. Can you tell us about a challenge that you've experienced and how it has shaped your life? I actually have two. Tell us. So it was something that happened that challenged me. So I'm kind of putting a different spin on your question. Mm-hmm. And the two stories really tie into each other. I mean, they're both incredibly profound things that happened to me that really changed me as a leader in my younger days. So I used to be in the U.S. Navy. So, you know, you're always taught, make time for people, be there for them. But then there's the reality of the times and you're busy and you have back-to-back meetings and you have a lot on your plate. And during this particular time, we were under a lot of scrutiny. We were actually under a investigation at the place where I was stationed. So there was a lot of heat. There was a lot of paperwork that we were trying to get together. And I had one of my sailors come up to me 
and ask if they could talk to me. And it was around one o'clock in the afternoon, I think. And in my head, really quickly, I thought, oh, you know, I don't have time. I'm trying to get this report to my commanding officer. I have so much. And I almost said, can you come back at four? But I didn't, Lily. There was something inside of me that said, this person needs my time now. So I said, absolutely, come on in. Shut the door in my office. And what my sailor told me is the challenge and the thing that changed me. They told me, Lily, that they had bought a gun and that they were planning on ending their lives that day, that afternoon after work. Oh, wow. And that was a challenge for me as a leader, Lily, because you can't ever discern, does somebody just want to chit chat with you or do they really have something important? And I did a lot of reflection on that when that happened. And we got the person some help and they were okay and everything ended up great, thankfully. But as a leader, I had to challenge myself to make sure that I was being available to people and I was being there and I was listening all the time. Because if I didn't take that moment and say, come on in my office, I could have had one of my sailors who committed suicide. So that's one story. After that, I was on a journey to really make sure I was present and listening to people. Mm-hmm. I had a sailor who I worked with for a long time, and this person was a complete rock star and lost touch with them for a little while, but, you know, still reached out and tried to encourage them. And that's a challenge for me is staying in touch with people. You know, I've met so many people over the years, and I love to provide encouragement and support and just a listening ear. But then one day, Lily, I got a phone call and it was the mother of one of my sailors. And this sailor had gotten killed in Iraq. Wow. And the sailor told his mom that if anything ever happened to him, to call me because I would know what to do. And I know you asked for a challenge and how it shaped my life. And I'm giving you stories of things that have happened in my life. But these things that have happened provided a challenge to me. You know, when I got that call from that mom, I realized that sometimes you don't know the impact that you have on somebody's life. You know, it just made me so much more aware of being there and making sure I was somebody that was there to support. And so I hope that's a good answer. Those are great stories because when I think about education and I think about how busy we can become doing all the paperwork and getting all the deadlines. And, you know, some of those things are extra, some of them are necessary. But the most important thing are the kids before you and the people in front of you, the ones you touch. And so I certainly connect with that because that happens often where kids are crying for help, are looking to get support. And so it's important as educators, as leaders, that we're listening and that we're present, that we practice, that we're intentional in doing that. So thank you for sharing that. And you're right. I've been in education myself, not in the school system, but I did education for quite some time. But being in the school system, educators, they have such a tremendous responsibility placed on them. But you're absolutely right, Lily. You're there for the students. It's got to be a balance between getting so bogged down in the paperwork and the things to do, but also you're there for the kids and paying attention to the cues of when things might not be going so well. 
Yes. So thank you so much for that. Now, Amy, can you tell us about one of your greatest successes? Really, Lily, I've had a lot of successes and really all of my successes are on the backs of the people that I've worked with. I think that one of the best compliments a leader can get is when somebody that you've helped grow and lead gets promoted and moves on to another opportunity. I had that happen so many times when I was in the Navy. Sailors that I had groomed and I had watched grow get promoted through the ranks, and that's such a great feeling. And then once I got out of the Navy, every single person that was on my team, I would work so hard with them to grow them. And when I saw them move on, it was a compliment to me, and it was an accomplishment because I know that I listened to them. If their ultimate dream wasn't to be where they are today, then I help them see that dream and seek that dream. And I know sometimes people leave leaders because leaders are bad. But when you know that you had an impact on somebody and they're leaving for a good reason, they're leaving because you gave them an opportunity to grow and to succeed, that's my biggest accomplishment. Well, you know, one of the things that can plague leaders is insecurity. We all have insecurities, right? But when we're leading in insecurity, that can be very damaging. To have insecurities, it may seem very benign, but it's not. Absolutely. And when you step into the space that you're talking about, when you're able to give and have vision for the people you lead, that is a very powerful thing. You're adding value to the people around you. And so when I think about where we want to be as leaders, you know, that's some place we can grow. And so I love what you said, because that shows that we can grow in being secure leaders and leaving a legacy. So what would you tell a new leader who's discouraged about their working climate or culture? So there's a couple things, and I think the most important thing to do is determine, is it the culture of where I'm working or is it myself? So I think a new leader who's discouraged with their culture or with the environment that they're in, they have to take a close look at themselves. Is it something in me? Is it something that I'm doing? You talked about insecure leaders. Is there something that perhaps the environment that I'm in is pushing me out of my comfort zone. And that is amplifying my insecurity mm-hmm. and, you know, realizing that I need to work on that. Or is it truly something in the culture? Is it something with the organization? And I think it's important to explore both ways because in our society, we're so quick to place the blame on everybody else. Right. My boss is mean, made me work late. I had to do something outside my job description But in essence, a lot of times it's us that is causing the uncomfortable feeling. If after exploring, is it me or my environment? If it's me, then that's something I need to work on. I need to ask for feedback from other people around me that I trust. And that even if I'm new, there's got to be somebody that I latch onto. And, you know, if I'm looking at it and I realize it's the organization, then I need to evaluate, do I really want to be here? Is this really the right place for me? Because, you know, we all need a job and we all have bills to pay, but we should never work somewhere that prevents us from being the best that we can and for living on our values and being valued. 
So how important is it to have a coach during this time? It's so important. And there's so many times I look back, Lily, in my life when I was struggling, that if I had a coach, somebody to help me do that examination I just talked about, because it's easy for me to say, examine yourself, but having a coach is going to help you peel the layers of the onion back and realize if it's you or if it's the organization. So at any point in leadership, really just starting out, being in a new organization, being in a new culture, new change of leadership, and even seasoned leaders. Lily, I work with so many people that, you know, when I first meet them, oh, I've been leading for 20 years. I don't need a coach. Everybody needs a coach. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's one of the things that I encounter in education, right? This thinking that if you need a coach, then you shouldn't be leading, which is completely off because it doesn't matter how well you lead. You still need someone to speak into your life. And that's so incredibly valuable. And you know what I tell people? Because I've heard that same thing, Lily. If I need a coach, it's because I'm doing something wrong. Oh, the coach is here. That means you're on the bad list. But I tell them, look at sports teams. Mm-hmm. The best sports teams in the world, they have a coach and they have a coach for a reason. Just because they're playing great doesn't mean they can pull the coach out from underneath the team. Mm -hmm. The coach provides so much value. Having a coach does not reflect whether you're a good leader or bad leader, a good educator or a bad educator. Having a coach means that you're humble enough to realize that there's somebody that can help you. And that you're hungry enough to allow somebody to help you grow. Okay, thank you so much for that, Amy. Now, many leaders describe themselves as lifelong learners. What does that mean to you and what are you learning now? Oh my goodness, yeah. So the first time I went to school, Lily, I said, this isn't for me. I'm never going back. And ever since then, all I've done is learn. Over the past, I think, eight years, I went back and got a bachelor's in organizational leadership and management. And then I went on to get my master's in organizational leadership and coaching. And then I joined the John Maxwell team, which is an incredible learning journey. And I just feel like I am absolutely a lifelong learner. And if you're not learning, you're not staying relevant because things are changing. I mean, leadership is leadership and people are people. And education is education, but the environments that we're in and the world that we're in is changing so much that if we don't keep up on what's new and on how to learn the latest and greatest in whatever field that we're in, we're irrelevant and we can easily become replaced by somebody else. Mm -hmm. So I absolutely believe when leaders are lifelong learners and you ask what I'm learning right now, I am learning so much. It's overwhelming, but I love it. And I love that challenge. I'm going through a personal growth program right now where I'm learning so much about myself and I'm learning about how to overcome my fears. And I'm learning about how to become more aware of who I am and where I want to be. I'm learning about leadership transformation. I'm getting ready to go to Paraguay with the John Maxwell team. I'm learning about momentum and how momentum is the leader's best friend. And when you're experiencing momentum, you have to stay on the train and go for the ride. I'm learning about becoming a better partner with other leaders. I'm learning about how to become a better public speaker 
I'm just soaking in Lily like a sponge, anything that I can learn. Because as I'm learning and I'm growing and I am becoming aware of new things, it helps me help the people who I'm working with on a day-to-day basis. That's awesome. And that's who you are. You really lit up when I asked you about what you're learning, your eyes, your demeanor. I always have my head in a book. I mean, if you could see my desk right now, I have six books over here and I have two books over here and I have articles. I just soak it up. I love learning. Awesome. So I want to go back to something that you said. You said that you're working on learning how to overcome fears. That's something that a lot of us feel. And a lot of us are stuck. It just invades our life. So why is overcoming fears and being intentional about that important? I think two things, Lily. I think overcoming fears is one thing, but becoming more aware of our fears and on the impact that it has in our lives is equally as important. So what I'm learning is how does fear affect my life? So we always think of fear as something negative. And most of the times it is negative, right? You know, I told you about a few weeks ago, I was afraid to go out into the world with no hair for the first time. And it almost stopped me from doing what I love and what I'm passionate about. But on the other hand, fear can also be our friend. I went through an exercise where I wrote down things that I was afraid of and one column, I'm very much a spreadsheet organized person. So I wrote down 10 things that I'm afraid of. And then I looked at each fear and I evaluated them and asked myself, what impact is that fear having on my life? And then in the third column, I wrote, what am I trying to accomplish that I'm going to miss out on or that's going to change me if I let this fear affect my life? So about nine of them were something I was fearful of. And the impact was it was holding me back from doing something that I either needed to do to further myself, further my business or challenge myself. But when I realized and I visualized that and I saw that my fear was so inferior to what I wanted to do or what I needed to accomplish, it helped me realize that I needed to overcome it. I needed to not let that interfere with my life. But then there was one fear that I had where fear was actually my friend. When I evaluated the fear, the specific fear that I had actually prevented me from being something and someone that I didn't want to be. So it helped open my eyes to realize that fear is not always bad. It's important to look fear in the mirror and determine, is it a good fear or a bad fear? Because like I said, we, fear always has a negative connotation. But if you think about it, and I'll give you an easy example. If you have a fear of getting into a car accident and dying, it could prevent you from driving, right? right. I know people that never leave their house because they're so afraid they're going to get into a car accident. But if you think about it and you're aware of the fear and you put your seatbelt on and you drive as safely as you can, of course, we can't do anything about other people's driving, but we can take measures to make us more comfortable about our fear and reduce the negative impact that that fear could have on us. I can certainly relate to this because one of the fears that I had is just 
losing control. And we can frame that in different ways. You know, I can be a controlling person, but I realize that. But one of the ways that that benefits me is that in situations where there's an opportunity to drink a lot, it helps me because it keeps me from doing that. I don't want absolutely. to lose control that way. So it does serve you as well. It um, absolutely does. So thank you so much for that. Now, Amy, if there was something that you could change in education in the U.S., what would that be? couple things. So I really feel like as a society, I think we've lost the understanding of the value of a good education. There's so many funding cuts and corners that are cut and it's always from the schools. Mm -hmm. I was in contact with a local school here in my area. Their student population nearly doubled last year and they didn't get any more teachers or administrators for that school. So the demand placed on the educators is huge, but the support isn't there. And I think part of the problem is that People don't understand the value of a good education as far as what giving a child a good foundation of education will bring, but also the value as in dollars Mm -hmm. value. Mm -hmm. So if I could change anything, I would stop cutting the corners that are going to impact these young lives because the children that are in elementary school today, several years down the road, they could be running for president. And the education that they get in schools today will be that foundation of everything that they do in their lives. I don't have any children, but I know so many parents are so busy and too busy and working multiple jobs to try to make ends meet that a lot of times the kids are getting less attention at home. I have many friends in education and I know there's pressure to be the parent and the teacher, but If they don't have that foundation and that good example and that support, we are setting our future up to fail. Right. And certainly, you know, when I talk to teachers, one of the things that I say is that we're in a situation where we have to do extreme teaching, right? You're talking about being the parent, being the nurse, being the police officer, being the educator, all those things. And there is a lot of pressure on the educators. And certainly I agree that adding funding would be incredibly beneficial. Thank you so much for that. Now, Amy, what have you read that our listeners should read and why? I highly recommend the book Intentional Living by John Maxwell. It's a great book. It helps you focus on your why for doing things and for being intentional and setting your course on an intentional route every day and knowing and setting out what you're supposed to be doing and what you should be doing and what you want to be doing. It's definitely a book that's made a big impact on me. Awesome. Thank you. Now, Amy, what do you do on a daily basis to set your mind for the responsibilities that you have? Well, I start my day in prayer and then I move on to exercise. Lately, I've been going for a bike ride in the morning and that's my think time. That's my upload my brain and download my brain time. And it gives me time to think about things that I need to do during the day, but also things that may be occupying my mind that are going to distract me from the things that I need to do during the day. So once I get back from my bike ride and get ready and start my work day, I remain very focused on what has to be done. 
and I think about what can wait till later. And I have many lists. I am a sticky note fanatic. (laughs) So my high priority items, I always have on a sticky note. And I know it's a disorganized way for an organized person, but what's most important to me for staying on track and setting my mind for the day is making sure that I allow myself 30 minutes. At least I use that 30 minutes for my growth because as I spoke about earlier, I'm really big on growing myself because it helps me help other people. So during my 30 minutes, I use that time to read whatever book I'm reading looking at my life plan, updating that, updating my goals, and just doing whatever it is at the present time that I'm doing towards my growth. You know, you talked about earlier in education, how we get so bogged down in the paperwork and the lesson plans and being so busy that sometimes we forget to stop and take care of ourselves. And no matter how busy that is, sometimes I take that time at 1130 at night, because that's the first time I've had to stop and have completely uninterrupted, quiet time. But it's so important for your emotional health, for your physical health, and just for yourself as a person, as a leader, as an educator, to take that time that's devoted for you because, you know, we get burnt out if we don't take care of ourselves. And then that impacts the people that we're supposed to be impacting. So if I'm an educator and I'm up in front of any age child, and I'm burnt out and I'm resentful that I don't have any time for myself, that is going to impact the kids. So that's how I set my days. Okay, great. Now, if you were to go back in time, what advice would you give the younger you about leadership? (laughs) Shut up and listen. (laughs) You know, we have two ears and one mouth for a reason. And we don't listen to people. You know, we start to hear them talk and we're already formulating in our head how we're going to respond. And, you know, I told you, Lily, I learned the hard way as a young leader and I thought I had it. I thought I didn't have anything to learn and I didn't listen to anybody because I was a leader and I was in charge of people and it didn't matter. And I had been there, done that, got the t-shirt, you know, get out of my way. And I just think if I just shut up and listen to people, how much better I would have been as a leader earlier in my life. Don't get me wrong. I wouldn't take any of the mistakes that I made or the failures that I made. Those have made me a far better leader. But there's a few that I could have X'd out if I (laughs) shut up and listened. Well, thank you so much for that advice. And I know that our listeners are great learners because that's why they tune into podcasts. And certainly this type of work that I do is really on my heart because I practice listening a lot in every podcast. And I still have to continue to practice. My husband can attest to that. (laughs) All of the husbands can, I think, right? Now, is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners your audience is mainly educators. So I'm going to try to tailor anything else I want to share towards educators. I don't know personally because I am not in the school system, but I have been in adult education for quite a few years prior to starting my own business. And I know that it's a tough job. It is a tremendous challenge to be charged with the responsibility of forming these young minds and putting them on the right road so that they can be productive members of our world. And I know just like in any industry, there's pressures, there's regulations, there's requirements, there's 
rules. And so often the focus comes off the mission, the children, and it becomes more the paperwork and the checks and the boxes. And I know that bogs people down. And I would encourage you, if you're somebody that is going through that, go back to your why. You know, why did you go into education? I know it's a job that is underappreciated. It's underpaid. You know, you went into education because you had a heart for children and you wanted to make a difference in their lives. So on the days where the burden is so heavy and you're questioning, do I want to come back to work? Is this the right thing? Just go back to your why Mm -hmm. and remember the reason that you went back and have that help you get grounded. Great. Now, Amy, if our listeners wanted to learn more about your company, how could they do that? I have a website, www.modulinleadershipsolutions.com. That's M-O-D-G-L-I-N leadershipsolutions.com. I'm also on Facebook under Modulin Leadership Solutions. I'm on Twitter at Modulin Leader. I'm on Instagram as Modulin Leadership Solutions. And I'm on LinkedIn. Awesome. Great. So Amy, I want to thank you so much for adding value to me and to our listeners. It's been so much fun. And thank you for the opportunity, Lily. It's been great. And I really am honored that you would ask me to come on this podcast. And I love you. And I love what you do. And I love that you have a heart of adding value to other people. I love you too. Hello, leaders. In closing, here's a quick message. Coaching is the art of influence that underpins leadership in the 21st century. And although it's been around for centuries, coaching to develop effective leadership skills is fairly new to education and grossly underutilized. It is the very thing that can get you from being stuck to being extraordinary. So go to masterleadership.org and sign up to get a free coaching session. Until next time, continue to ignite that leader in you.